0: Before we get into today's episode of the podcast, I want to tell you about a product I've been using frequently, and a product that is used by professional running team Tin Man Elite and teams in the NFL, NBA, and NCAA. The product is called 2 Before, and it is made from the incredible benefits of blackcurrants. If you guys are unfamiliar with blackcurrants, they're antioxidant berries that are grown in New Zealand. The two biggest benefits, in my opinion, from consuming them regularly and using this product too before is it increases your endurance as well as kickstarts your recovery. So during sessions, I feel stronger, my endurance feels improved, but also after the workout, I feel more recovered, less sore, less tired, so that I can hit the next training session harder than I normally would be able to. I absolutely love to before, I love this product. Perhaps my favorite study uh, that I I've seen shows that using two before consistently can improve athletic performance by 4.6% which is truly remarkable and it's made from three simple ingredients so there's no junk in it you guys can get 30% off your order today at two before that is the number two before.com using my code the running effect 30 again that is the running effect 30 not only does this get you 30% off but it also gets you free shipping I've left a link in the show notes to go directly to their website or you guys can go to twobefore.com. Again, that is the Running Effect 30 to get 30% off and free shipping today. Hey friends, just a quick note before we hop into today's episode of the podcast. Majority of you guys listening right now have not given us a follow and a five-star review on Spotify or Apple podcasts, and it takes legitimately between five and 10 seconds to hit the follow button, hit the five-star review button. So I'd greatly appreciate you guys doing so if you have not done so already. And then something all of you guys can do right now is share today's episode with a friend, a family member, a teammate, someone who you think would find value and benefit from it. I would greatly appreciate you you guys doing that sharing the podcast sharing today's episode with someone because through that we can expand the show and reach new people and hopefully through that inspire them in the process without further ado let's get into today's conversation Sophia Kennedy welcome back to the running effect podcast how are you doing this afternoon
1: I'm really good thanks for having me how are you I'm
0: doing fantastic first question for you before we were talking uh, before we hit the record button you were telling me that today is your first day back from your running break I think you took a week off. What are some of Sophia Kennedy's favorite things to do during your break or just completely unrelated to running?
1: Oh, man. You know, I actually was talking to my parents about this the other day because it was like day three of me taking a break. And I was like, wow, like, I feel like I have no hobbies. Like, I just love to run and then take a nap and then, you know, talk about running some more. But I uh, I baked a couple times. That was fun. I ate some brownies and I'd go on more walks with my dogs and just like, Hang out with my friends and relax by the pool. So that's what my past week has looked like.
0: When you're baking, do you do it just like? Are you the type of person that's like, this amount of sugar looks good. Vanilla sounds good in this. I'll throw in vanilla. Or are you like strict by the recipe, by the book?
1: I follow the recipe. I don't trust myself. I feel like I would screw it up. I'm not like a very seasoned baker, so I don't. I don't really trust my judgment yet. But maybe if I bake a couple more times, I'll get more comfortable. <laughs>
0: And then is it hard to detach yourself from like this sport, kind of as you were sharing there, when it's like your favorite thing in the world, you love it, but more specifically, and we'll get into this later in the conversation, your dad with how prestigious he is, I feel like a lot of people in nowhere, uh, when I say this, I'm not comparing myself to you, you're on seven levels above me, but like with my parents, it was kind of helpful that they knew nothing about running because I felt like when I didn't want to talk about it, I it was like... Wouldn't get brought up, but with your dad and his incredible, you know, accomplishments in the sport, is it a little harder to detach yourself from the sport because everyone in your household loves running?
1: I think it helps a lot that I just love the sport so much. Like I could talk about running for hours and hours and hours. Um, but actually, none of my like home friends are runners, so I go hang out with them, and like that's a nice break from running. Um, they don't know anything about it i'll be like oh my gosh jacob just broke the two mile world record and they're like who <laughs> and so like it's it's like a nice break to go hang out with them and like talk about things because you know there's more to me than just running but even though i love it so much i it's good to take a break
0: what would be your advice to someone listening who maybe has their identity a little too wrapped up in the sport that you know inevitably when things aren't going well which they won't uh in the sport you know running's not linear uh like that's when it becomes tough is when your whole identity is the sport. So for someone listening, as you kind of described there, some of the things you do to detach yourself healthily from the sport, what would be some advice to someone listening who knows they probably care a little too much about the sport but doesn't quite know what to do about it?
1: Yeah, no, I think that conversation becomes most prevalent when you get injured or something. Or like what you were saying, think running's not going well. So it's totally important to find like an activity or um, a friend that you can kind of confide and be like hey like things aren't going well and you know that person or that activity is supposed to remind you that like there's more to you than just running because um you know I've I've gone through injuries and stuff like that before and it's it's hard because you kind of get to a point and you're like wow will I ever will I ever recover like will I ever get back to where I'm running well and I'm feeling good and um it's just important to take a step back and remind yourself like why you love the sport it's not just about running fast or winning it's about like Um, you know, really finding like value in the sport as it makes you healthy and it makes you happier and you form connections through other runners and other people involved in the sport. So to kind of have that community and also people outside of the community to talk to, um, I mean, it's critical.
0: I love that. I was just thinking during that response, I'm like, no wonder she's going to Stanford. Like you were so eloquent (laughs) (laughs) in your response there. So you you nailed that one. Um, Speaking more on your family, something that I didn't talk to you about during Our conversation with Irene, uh, we did a podcast, for those who don't know, with you and Irene Riggs, your future teammate and friend, uh, for a little series going into Nike Outdoor Nationals. Something I can't believe I didn't bring up was Irene has a twin sister, Caroline, and you have a twin brother, but I didn't think to bring it up, and I'm not sure why. So can you speak on the aspect of having a twin and also having a twin who is very, very good at what they do, just in a different sport, soccer, instead of running?
1: Yeah, no, I mean, I think there's definitely some twin power going on. There's so many twins on the Stanford team, like me and Irene and then, like, the young twins, and I think there's more. The Sherry's, yeah. Yeah, like, um, so uh, I actually, I love that my twin is not in the same sport as me because it's, like, we can talk about our successes together without, like, comparing ourselves, without, like, fighting to be that one on top and, like, Even if my brother were to be in the same sport, like, we would still support each other no matter how we were running. But, you know, it's really fun to go through life with him. And I'm really enjoying, like, seeing him succeed and be happy in what he's doing and, like, going through, like, the same mental lessons as me, but, like, in a different way. Like, I I try and talk to him about soccer sometimes, and I just – I have no idea what the right questions to ask are, and – I mean that's sad. I played soccer until I was in like fifth grade and I like I have no idea what's going on, but I'm his biggest cheerleader, so you're like Yeah, wh- it's fun.
0: What's the equivalent of a tempo run in soccer?
1: <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. People <laughs> be like, I'm gonna go work on my long ball. And I'm like, Yeah, you kick that soccer ball, like woo.
0: <laughs> we opened up this conversation by talking about you taking a break from running and ultimately you had a really successful outdoor season. I want to talk about it being your final ever season. What are the emotions and feelings being removed from high school? Not just within the sport of like, wow, this chapter is closed and I'm on to the next one at Stanford, but also academically, right? You go to an institution for four years, you get to know the people and it, it, you know, inevitably you get attached to the school. So what are the feelings and emotions a few weeks removed from graduating high school?
1: Yeah, I mean, that really hasn't hit me until or hadn't hit me until like honestly, right about now, like kind of because I'm like, you know, I graduated, I didn't feel anything really like I was like, Oh, this is sad. Like, I'll, I still have summer. And now that I'm like getting into my summer training for Stanford. Um, it's it's definitely very surreal. I've, I've learned so much in the past four years. I mean, athletically, academically, socially, like all aspects of my life. I mean, I'm a completely different person than I was uh, going into my freshman year of high school. And I mean, I wouldn't change a thing. Like I've made mistakes as everyone has, and I've, you know, gone through injuries and um I procrastinated a lot of my homework <laughs> and um that sort of stuff. So it's I think it's like it's been such great preparation for college, which is really exciting. But then, you know, I look back and I'm like, Oh, I'm gonna miss my friends. I'm going so far from Indiana. I mean, it's like a forty five hour drive or something like that. Um so yeah, like, I mean, we live in a day and age where I can just call my friends whenever I want. So like, that's, I'm not like terrified about losing contact with any of them or anything, but I'm, I'm just so excited, honestly. Like I keep telling people also, like if I could have gone to Stanford yesterday, like I would have, <laughs> but also staying back and enjoying like my friends and my family. Cause I'll miss them.
0: I think in the moment we don't appreciate the ordinary moments as much as we do a few weeks or months removed from them when we're like, oh, that ordinary moment is actually kind of extraordinary now that I look back on it and I do a lot to go back to that ordinary moment. For you, are there any ordinary moments in your high school life or career that you think back to and you're like, man, I wish I could have been that younger Sophia version right now.
1: Yeah, no, I think I'll get more sentimental at like a sleepover with my friends than I did at like my graduation. Like, because I just kind of look around and I'm like, oh my gosh, these people have seen me go through everything, through the highs and the lows. And like, now we're going off on our own adventures. And um, so yeah, definitely those little ordinary moments. I mean, kind of like that last week of school where I'd be like wow this is my last math class like now I'm going to college um definitely a very surreal experience but yeah the little things make everything like such a better experience you know
0: what was your favorite class in high school and your least favorite class
1: oh okay I think it's the same class like my favorite and my least really was AP chemistry I the class was interesting like I kind of like chemistry. I don't really see myself majoring it or anything, but I mean, we got to do labs and I felt so cool in my lab coat, and my <laughs> goggles, and like making things explode. I mean, I wasn't supposed to make things explode, but I had a couple lab uh, accidents, <laughs> um, but it's also like terribly difficult. And I do not think I did well on an AP exam. So, you know, all the highs and the lows in that one class. Oh, it was also, my class we had eight people in it and seven of us were girls so it was very like woman in stem moment you know we felt so so girl power so powerful and we would make fun of the the one guy
0: yeah i feel bad for that kid
1: (laughs) (laughs) he took it well he's he's a champ
0: (laughs) so stanford i think we may have discussed this on the podcast with irene but it doesn't really matter new podcast new topics uh take me behind the decision of wanting to go to stanford
1: i stanford's just It's amazing. I mean, I think I said this on the podcast earlier as you were saying, like, it's really just a place where you can thrive as an athlete. And as a student, you really don't have to give anything up. And like, while that can be intense, sometimes like, they also, you know, have a great team of people at the school who are there to help you, you know, you have your teammates and your academic advisors, and you work together. And as long as you like reach out to people and you know, ask for help when you need it. um, I really see myself thriving there. I mean, it was a tough decision because I talked to a bunch of schools and I really loved them all. I mean, you just meet the best coaches and uh athletes and just everyone connected to the sport at every every school is really amazing. So, my parents kept telling me one thing throughout the entire process and it was like you can't make a wrong decision and I would tell my parents I was like please stop saying that. Like, <laughs> I know I can't make a wrong decision. That's the stressful thing. They're all amazing schools, but i'm really excited for stanford because you know coach clark and coach addy they really stood out to me as like super um super connected with their athletes you know they're really excited and but they're also willing to push me hard like um and i told coach clark on my visit i was like i am the type of athlete who will ask a million questions like you give me a workout and i got 20 already on the on my mind like I want to know exactly what I'm doing and why I'm doing it. And uh, he was like, bring it on, you know, like we're here for that. And I really, I really respect that. So um, I'm, I'm so excited.
0: Not to sound like the Stanford application, but what are you most looking forward to at Stanford?
1: Oh my gosh. Uh oh, big one. is the warm weather. Um, that'll be nice. Like, I mean, it's not like terribly warm, which is nice. I mean, Nothing compared to where you're at in Austin right now. <laughs> um, that'll be cool. I remember when I was going through the recruiting process, I would like text Coach Addie and then she would send me weather for the the week. I was like, "Oh, you know how to get me <laughs> like that." That did it. Um, but yeah, I'm. I think one of the real things that I'm most excited for is like having a team. I mean, right now I have Gretchen Farley, who's such a talented athlete, and you know we love to talk about the sport together, but we don't really train together or anything. So, you know, being able to, like, even just go on my easy runs with more people than just myself is, like, I'm I'm thrilled about that. And it's, like, everyone there is so talented and, you know, really dedicated. It's you know, an environment where, you know, we can all push each other. And so I'm excited to see, like, you know, how I can push myself, but also, like, how the teammates that are faster than me right now can drag me up to where they're at.
0: Speaking on the weather, as you kind of alluded to there, uh, being from Ohio, and I don't really feel like I've moved yet, so kind of living in Ohio, even though I don't live in Ohio right now, um, I know exactly what you've gone through these past four years. How do you think that's kind of shaped you into the runner who you are over those four winter seasons and even spring seasons? Because as you know, Midwest springs are like the most unpredictable. Oh. <laughs> it, might, it might snow <laughs> one day, it might be 70 the next. So how do you think that's kind of shaped you into the runner you are today? And do you think there is a benefit that comes with living in the Midwest, as crazy as it sounds? Because every year at East Bay or NXN, the Midwest people always show out. And I think a big reason oh, of yeah. it is because of what they have to go through.
1: No, I think Midwestern grit is like a real thing. Um, Cause you know, we just, we just go through it. Those winters are brutal and the summers are so humid, but, um, yeah, I think that growing in the, or growing up in the Midwest, like really has, you know, um, had a big impact on my running and I keep joking with my parents. I'm like, Oh, I hope I don't get soft when I go over to Palo Alto because gonna be so nice all the time. But the Midwest has really taught me how to, um, kind of just like adapt, you know, like, it's. I will have to switch around workout days or whatever, just to, like, make sure the weather's fine. Um, and I don't freak out about it anymore. I think when I first started in the sport and it, everything wasn't exactly what was on my training log, like, I was like, oh, like, I'm, I'm going to fail. Like, um, you know, I was freaking out about it. And so I think I've learned to um, more easygoing about the sport. I mean, that's so important. You don't want to be, like, too um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Like, rigid. um, yeah, yeah. That like, you don't be too rigid about it because you know, stuff happens and you to learn to shake things up a little bit.
0: So let's go back in time. Take me through how you got your start in the sport of running and your first impressions of it. Also yeah. with that, with that. Uh, so okay. a third part to that question okay. uh, at what point, sorry, this is probably throwing on too many questions, but if you can tackle three in one, that'd be awesome. Um, also at what point did you realize your dad was as legit as he was?
1: Oh, man. I mean, I okay, I'll start from the beginning. I played soccer starting at like three until um, I think I stopped at the end of my fourth grade. And I was terrible, man. (laughs) I was so bad. I was like the goalkeeper. And I was the smallest girl on the field. Like you do not put the smallest girl in goal. Like, I was just like so bad on the field. They didn't have anywhere else to put me like my goalie gloves were like, the size of my head, like, and I was scared of the ball too. Like, you know, they would kick it at me and be like, Oh, um, so I realized that was not my path pretty quickly. And I had some friends on the cross country team. and, um, it was a couple other girls in the fifth grade and they were like, you want to try out for the middle school team, which is sixth grade and up. And well, you don't really try out. We actually have a no cut policy at our school, so anyone can join, but, um, I joined and all of a sudden I was like, Hey, this is kind of fun. And like, I'm kind of good at this. I mean, I think that was like ninth in my first race. And I was like, Ooh, kind of a big deal. <laughs> I mean, not really, but, but, yeah, my first impressions of the sport was like, you know, it's really fun. It's got a good community. Like I was kind of like, why is everyone so happy to run a 3k? But like, then I, I got to doing it and I was like, Hey, this is kind of cool. Like. You know, everyone's everyone's having a good time. We're we're working hard. And I like that feeling of like pushing myself really hard. And it took me a while into the sport to like really understand that feeling, like of like loving the pain, as crazy as that sounds. Um, but yeah, I think I I honestly still sometimes like don't even realize like how good my dad was. I mean, um he he's not the type to like reminisce on that you know he's always been like you know my running days are in the past like you know i i still have so much appreciation for the sport he owns a running store so like he's still connected to it but he's like you know his world championship and olympic days you know they're in the past the only the only thing he actually keeps up from his running is his uh kinney uh national championship trophy like none of the ncaa stuff it's only his high school national championship trophy is the only thing that's in our basement um so yeah, I mean, it's been so cool to grow up with a, a figure like that as my dad, but you know, he's kind of always just been dad to me who happens to know really a lot about running. <laughs> so um, yeah, it's cool. I, th- I think the times that it hits me the most is like people come up to me and they're like, Sophia, like your dad is a legend. Yeah, like cool. And then I'm like, oh wait, he is like, man, American record holder. like big shoes
0: to fill. Yeah, I have never had the opportunity to speak with the son or daughter of such a prestigious person. So I'd love to to touch (laughs) on this more. How instrumental has he been in your running career? And I did, I think, ask him this in our conversation, which people can listen to as well. But like, how has he from your perspective, dealt with everything he accomplished and ultimately wanting to excel you as an individual and in the sport but not come across as like wanting you to do it overly and trying to separate his career from yours if that makes sense
1: i think one of the biggest things that i talk about with my dad is finding an appreciation for the sport and that it has to come from myself and i think my dad both my parents actually my mom ran in college also um she also ran at iu but um my dad more specifically is um more involved in my current training and um I mean, he just has always made sure that the love of the sport comes from me. It's never like me trying to, you know, run as fast as he did or, you know, do the same things that he was doing because that's just not sustainable. Um, I, 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 my parents, they always like flex to their friends. They're like, I did not tell Sophia to get up at seven in the morning and go run. Like she just did it. And I mean, I think that's so important because that'll take me, so far into the sport i um because i just i love it so much you know um more training related i think the biggest thing that my dad we have this mantra and it's it's uh he tells me it before all my races and it's no fear and no regrets and no fear meaning i think actually you guys may have talked about this on the podcast but um it's no fear meaning that you know i i i've worked hard there's no reason for me to um you know be afraid to go run hard like i if i want to take the lead like i'm capable of doing that you know i it's okay and, and no fear as well like I it's okay to take risks you know i'd rather like try my best and blow up instead of you know not giving it my all every race and understanding that I deserve to be on every starting line that I find myself. Um, and it just it just gives me a lot of confidence going into races because I'm like, okay, no fear, no regrets, like, I've worked for this, you know, I'm i am capable, I'm strong, I'm like, I'm hard working. Um, and so those messages like is really I, I think those are way more important to me than like, any like, things my dad introduces to me like a threshold workout I mean the mental aspect of running is huge so
0: how much have you leaned on him and his own experiences in the sport through your own experience in the sport and going through different things and literally running at the same meets that are just called different names
1: yeah no it's cool I think I like to talk to him about his races he'll tell me um various stories from his racing I mean it's, but it's only when i ask for them like he's never like oh back when i was in the olympics um i i just i ask i more ask for the races that didn't go right cuz i want to know like how did he respond to that what did he do to fix that but i think what's been important for me is that i have to go through these experiences myself you know i i can't just be like okay my dad he blew up this one race like now i won't do that like that's kind of something you have to learn yourself through experience and my high school career, I think I've had a lot of those experiences. I'm really grateful because, you know, I've I've, I've had a lot of different um, race experiences that have gone really well or not well, and I think that's gonna like really help me in my collegiate career because it won't be new to me. You know, I I know how to bounce back from these things.
0: Something I want to talk about that I was like kind of surprised when I was writing the show notes for today's episode and I knew I knew it because I watched these races every year, but it just set in for whatever reason. And you'll have to correct me if I'm wrong on any of this, but I believe you you made Foot Locker and Brooks PR both meets your sophomore year. Um, So can you speak to that aspect of being so good so young and then also like maintaining that you went to the meets the following two years, your junior and senior year? I think we see that uh, like occasionally an athlete who makes it to a big meet three years in a row, but it's really remarkable to be consistent for that period of time we see freshmen who are really really good and then kind of fizzle out we see people more regularly who get really good like the junior and senior year but it's pretty rare to have someone who's really good at a young age and then they hold that consistently um so could you maybe talk to that aspect of your career of like being so good so young
1: yeah um so my sophomore year they did not have the national cross entry meets okay. but um i did do brooks pr my sophomore year so right about that and then junior year making nationals for cross country. Um, I think the most important thing is just to take things slow. I mean, my freshman year is so conservative, my sophomore year, like, you know, working a little bit harder. Um, but not, nothing crazy. Like I'm, I'm, I'm blessed with good genetics, but you know, that also doesn't come without hard work. Like, I don't want to make it sound like I'm not doing any training because I am, that wouldn't be honest. Um, and, um, I mean, there's honestly just a lot of trial and error in it. I I think I ramped it up a little bit too much my junior year, and I ended up getting injured and kind of battling with those things for a while. Um, it's it's really just, I mean, I think something that's so important is, like, my consistency. Like, if you look at it over a broad period of time, like, it looks like it's just been completely consistent. Like, I look like I've been running well the entire time but i haven't you know i've had my ups and my downs and so i think it's it's super important to let younger girls know that like you know you go through your ups and your downs and at your low periods it's just about how you respond to it um it's consistency and um it's hard work but it's also resilience and um understanding that like things aren't perfect all the time so i think that's what's allowed me to have some longevity in the sport and hopefully for like. A really long time after this as well you know I have aspirations of you know becoming a professional runner and running for as long as i can because i love it so much um but yeah i mean consistency resilience and finding love in the sport is like i think how you can keep getting better
0: from your experience of going through those low moments and setbacks as, as you kind of just shared um you did kind of share some pieces of advice but going even deeper into that for someone listening right now who inevitably you know the amount of people listen to this and i get dms quite frequently of kids who are in sitbacks or had a tough race or more specifically like ended their their race or ended their season on a tough race and they're like what do i do dominic i'm like i'm not your coach i don't know you but <laughs> i can try to give you some advice so and similarly like would you give some advice to the person listening who's going through a tough moment or going through a setback what would you tell them about getting out of it and getting on the other side of it
1: recovery is so important. I think too often i see people are like okay like i'm feeling better like i'm ready to get running again and i want to go back into it and train so hard and it's um i mean that's how you just keep making your injuries worse um i it's it's about trusting yourself you know i when i i Junior, or junior year cross country, I strained my Achilles and then junior year track, I had a stress fracture in my femur and I ended my senior year cross country season at the very last race. I had a stress fracture in my metatarsal in my foot. And I mean, that's a lot to go through. And I think what's helped me now be healthy this entire season is um, just like understanding that like talent doesn't go away um and that you know your efforts like you will get back to where you are but it's important to take a step back and like make sure that you are recovered and that you are um comfortable like physically and mentally because honestly a lot of that is like you need to recover mentally i mean your mind is such a powerful thing and you know if you get too stressed about coming back too quickly and um you know you want to work so hard because I get that feeling. Like I have that all the time, where like I want to be doing more, but um, it's important to like reserve yourself. I think that's also like going back to your previous question is like, in longevity in the sport is um, not doing too much too early. I mean, my whole high school career has been centered around preparing myself for college. Like, if I wanted to, I could go run fifty miles a week right now, and maybe I would run 950, 945 or whatever. Like. But it's, it's not worth it because I have I have higher aspirations than my high school career. And I want to be as good as I can be right now without overdoing it.
0: Something I'd love to talk about there that you mentioned a lot in your answer is kind of the aspect of being patient and having patience with yourself and kind of as of if- Kind of as you elaborated on, a lot of what (laughs) holds people back or gets people back into situations that they were just in and trying to get out of is being impatient. And like, I could fill a whole podcast with the amount of training errors I made trying to come back from an injury or from a sickness or like feeling the need to go up back to full mileage the week after having the flu because i didn't get in my miles and then you get injured and it's like don't do that <laughs> what were you thinking right. but it's only afterwards that you take the moment to reflect on like oh what was i doing so can you maybe speak on that that aspect of patience how important it is to be patient with yourself be patient with the training be patient with belief in yourself as well as kind of as you just shared the impatient part kind of holding you back from what you actually want and in the moment it might seem like the best thing to do is to work as hard as possible and to crush every workout and to run as much mileage as you possibly can and do as many gym sessions as you can but like in the long run that's probably not what's going to be best for you
1: yeah no patience is so important i still struggle with that sometimes and we were talking earlier like i I talked to coach clark the other day about summer training and he was like okay like on your first week back you're only going to run Three miles this week, or not three miles? Uh, three days this week, and I was like, "What?" Like, I want to do five days this week, and he was like, "Absolutely not, Sophia. Like, you like slow your roll. Like, you know, we've got we've got this planned out for you." And patience is, it's it's difficult, but it's so so important. Um, you know, your body can only take so much, and you you want to stretch it out. Um, because you know, running fast early in the season is not what matters. you know, you want to be the best you can be at the national championship, or the world championship, or whatever you're training for, if it's just whatever your big race is, you know, that's where you want to succeed. and um, people get so caught up in running fast times, running hard workouts, like like you said, just crushing everything and while it feels really good in the moment, it's totally not sustainable. and so, Um, I, I mean, I think that's just one of the most important things in the sport. I mean, patience and everything, patience, uh, in mileage and efforts, like even within a race, having patience is like so important because you just, you know, you need to like kind of play tricks with your mind a little bit about, um, what you're doing, why you're doing it and like how much you can take. So, yeah, no, I i completely stand by that i mean i there's a reason that i'm i'm only running like 38 miles a week on my high school career because like i'm I'm having patience and being better next year and years after that
0: speaking on the aspect of having patience within a race i think you have to take patience to a race in an extreme like a delusional extreme when you're hurting I don't, i'm sure you've done this like every runner does this i feel like the, the thought that always comes across in a track race when you're like five laps into 3,200 and you're like hurting, you're like, just make it another 200 meters, just make it to the next 200 meters. And it's like, you know, deep down that you're going to continue to go after that 200 meters, but your brain is trying to tell you like, Hey, just be patient and make it to this 200 meters. And then you can reevaluate and then you do the same thing. Right. <laughs> it's like, if you can do that enough times, you'll make it to the finish line, you know?
1: Yeah, no, I mean, honestly, my dad and I talk about that all the time, shortening up your races and like in cross country being like, okay, like this straight away, like I'm really going to attack it. And you're like, you know, you kind of get into that rhythm again, but when it's really hurting, just like focusing on the little segments instead of the big segments, you know, it's so much easier to be like, I'm going to run a fast 200, than I'm going to run a fast two kilometers, you know,
0: One of my favorite stories is Galen Rupp in the 2016 Olympics. Uh, It was his second ever marathon. His first ever marathon was qualifying for the Olympics at the Olympic trials. And he was in medal contention, but he was like hurting super bad. It was super hot and humid in in Rio. And of course, when you're going up against the world's best, it's going to be a really difficult race. And I want to say he had like it was like some crazy amount left. Like it was between like six and 10 miles left in the race. And he was in so much pain that what he did was he broke it down by uh, like the street lampposts in Rio. So oh. he was just like, make it to the next lamppost, make it to the next lamppost. And he ended up placing third in that race. So it's like, wow. I can't even imagine having the mental strength to do that exercise for six to 10 miles. But you know, I guess it works for the Olympics <laughs> works for an Olympic oh my gosh, Yeah. No, it
1: totally takes a different kind of grit. Like, uh shortening up your races like my dad was telling me there were a couple races where like it was literally step by step he was like like i'm taking this step by step which i'm like oh my gosh you got a lot of steps to go like how do you how do you do that but um you know you kind of think about that sort of stuff in training so you know you can replicate it when you're racing
0: So this past outdoor season, there are a few races I want to go through. The first thing I want to ask you about is something super unique in Indiana that I wish more states would do. I understand why they don't. But almost every state that I know of has classifications. So like Ohio has three classifications. I think Texas and California are on the extreme side, like six, seven classifications. And within each classification is the own is their own like process of qualification and ultimately their own state championship so if texas has six classifications there are six different state champions with indiana it's one classification if you win the state championship you are the undisputed state champion which i think is the coolest thing ever and speaking of it being really cool for the winner because they are the undisputed champion you ended up winning this year's 3200 at the end in indiana state championships so can you speak to that aspect of like the unique nature of how the state is set up as well as ultimately winning this past spring
1: yeah no i i love the way we do it um yeah you have for the state meet you have two qualifying races secondals regionals and then the state meet and um they take like the top three from each event and then i think maybe an additional two time qualifiers for each region something like something of the sort but um it's exciting i indiana is such a deep sport in distance running right now and i had never won a state championship before this spring and it's kind of crazy because like i like will talk to my friends in other states and they're like oh yeah i'm the 2a state champion with like eight state titles or something like that. I'm like, oh, okay. Like I've never won one before, but it was so rewarding to finally pull that off. Um, It, it made, it wasn't my best race, which honestly made me feel even better. um, That I was like, okay, I can have like a pretty midday and still, still win. It was super, super gratifying. I had a a lot of my friends came to that race. It was at Bloomington, which is fine at IU, um, my parents' home track. So, um, I mean, it was completely, rewarding uh i just i felt the energy there i felt so so grateful because everything that i've done in my high school career kind of leading up to this moment like for me the state meet is a big deal maybe for some like national caliber runners like um you know they kind of just get through their state meet with like just another race but for me i mean it was it was just so so exciting and i'm, I'm super grateful for that
0: so i want to say your next race was brooks pr you were in the two mile there and that was the first time you broke 10 minutes for a 3200 or a two mile basically the same thing um although mm-hmm. some 50 year old's gonna be mad at me that i said they're the same thing they are gonna be <laughs> like it's 19 meters different or whatever it is but um take me through take me through this race
1: yeah uh gosh that race was so much fun um i was so i mean i ran 957 for two miles so that was Super exciting, broke the state record, um, for my first time breaking 10 minutes. Um, and yeah, I mean, it was a good race. It's it's always fun when you can go into those races because you're not running alone anymore. I mean, I my entire, not my entire, this year specifically, like I've had to be a front runner in all of my high school races, except like that one, you know? Um, so it's fun. Like you just kind of run in a pack. I think I I didn't position myself as well as should I should have. Like the first half of the race, I don't know if you saw because you were there, but I was running in like lane two. Um, I don't know what I was doing. I was just you know la la la. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's it's fun. And I was fourth in that race, which is crazy. Like nine fifty seven for fourth place. I think like when you do like the two mile and the thirty two hundred meter conversion, it's like the twenty fifth all time fastest time was what I ran and I was fourth in that race. Wow. I mean, the caliber of, uh, female distance running and male distance running today in high school is, I mean, it's ridiculous. Uh, we're just, we're improving and we're all improving with each other. I mean, going back to like the state meet and having only won one state championship, I think like that's one thing that's made me a better runner is like, you know, having that competition, like I'm, I'm not so much afraid of it anymore. Like I embrace it. yeah, first PR was fun. I, I definitely should have run it a little smarter. I was kind of also, like, on the line for the second half of the race and just, like, yo-yoing back and forth place. Like, I, I probably should have made a move earlier, but, you know, mistakes were made. I learned from it, you know. I got many more races in my future. I can, I can improve.
0: Well, it's got to feel good when you can deconstruct your performance right there in a very critical way and be like, I should have done this. I did this poorly. I did this poorly. I did this poorly, but I still broke 10 minutes and it was a PR and I ran 957. So that's got to feel good when you like, you know, you can do so many things better in the future, but yet you still ran a really good time. It's like the worst when you have a bad performance and you're like, everything went wrong, X, Y, and Z, but it's kind of gratifying when you're like, I had an incredible performance yet. I know if I fix these things, I can go even faster
1: yeah no i think that's so important i mean i'm working on that is like finding little victories for myself because in this sport you just i mean many sports but running specifically um you're just always trying to improve i mean i i don't know i saw you kind of after the race but i i went up to my dad immediately after the race, and i'm like man i could have gone two, three seconds faster and he's like sophia like you should have the best race of your life and i was like no nah, man like I could have done better <laughs> and it took me a couple minutes to be like hey like i'm proud of myself there like i need to take those victories because i'm sure that can be exhausting at a certain point where it's like you're never satisfied which is part of what makes like or separates athletes is like that you're always looking for more if you're satisfied with your race like that's not good there's always someone running to take your spot you know um so yeah finding those little victories so important I'm, I'm proud of myself for that race
0: yeah, no, it was super exciting to see. And you know this, as embarrassing as it is to admit, I went up to you after the race. <laughs> I forget how I found this out, but I was paying attention to like the battle for first and second. And then I must have just like, you you passed me without me realizing you passed me. And I thought you like ran like 10.30 or something. So in my mind, I'm like, I don't know what to say to Sophia like I don't want to like be <laughs> rude I'm sure she's mad about her race like I don't want to come across as like uh annoying and be like oh nice job when she she right. doesn't feel good about her performance but somehow or another I ended up finding out that you broke 10 minutes and I'm like oh no way you really <laughs> so yeah no and honestly when she like
1: came up to me I was like I wasn't even like oh why is he acting like that because I was like yeah man that wasn't my best race (laughs) and I was like it was but uh, like that was really funny yeah
0: I forget how I came to the conclusion that it was a a good race (laughs) I was like
1: I uh... mean it was it was a fast race like I I don't understand or I mean I don't blame you for like not seeing me there like
0: you were in lane yeah, 2 that as was, well an so. One. Right, well actually yeah. I think what I said Hard in way. this is this is low key like disrespectful so I don't mean it that way. But I like jokingly I was like you're 5'2" I'm like I think you just like Sadie's really tall like some of the <laughs> some of the girls in that race are really tall and uh, I yeah. also think that didn't help your height. It was you're harder to to seek out in the yeah in the crowd no
1: i agree i used to be so mad about it that and i'd complain to my parents and finally my dad like he showed me a list of all like the olympic marathoners <laughs> in five foot five foot five foot one five foot two five foot
0: three five foot one like okay like, five foot two is right a good height yeah my mom's yeah. five you foot know, two so, so soft, i have a i have a soft oh, really. spot for five foot two yeah
1: <laughs> oh thanks i had someone tell me recently they were like sophia on instagram you look five six and i was like i don't know what that means but thank you i guess like i don't look like i would be so short but yeah i'm i'm five two, i'm five two proud
0: speaking of speaking of height when you met me for the first time were you surprised by how tall i was i get that a lot people are like you're much taller than i thought you would be because i don't really post bit, content yeah. really about my like you don't yeah. really see me too much so it's always a guessing game yeah
1: no it, it like it wasn't too um crazy for me because i just I look up to a lot of people. You know? <laughs> <laughs> like, at a certain point, I'm like, oh, six foot, six foot four. They're all the same, but yeah, definitely a little bit taller than I was expecting.
0: How tall is Cole? Like six four?
1: Oh, six five, something like that. Yeah, yeah, really tall. Yeah. I like, I think I'd go up to like his waist or something like. Yeah, that. he's a
0: giant. He's a giant. <laughs> Speaking of Bricks PR. Since I was there, as we were just kind of talking about, I'm I'm very curious. What was your favorite part of the trip? Outside of the race itself,
1: mm. um I think the boat cruise is pretty fun. I mean, you were killing it on the dance floor. I,
0: Many individuals were
1: kind of a little bit. Many yeah, no, you and Maddie and uh you guys were killing it. I I should have gotten out there a little bit more. Honestly, <laughs> I am so tired. But no, that's fun. I just those races are so fun. Like we've talked about this. um They're just like a lot more intimate. Like you really get to meet other athletes and what i love about brooks pr it's it's just different than nxn and um, Uh, champs Champs. is that i get to meet people of different event groups too like i never really talked to sprinters or hurdlers or not distance runners you know and so like you know to be able to mingle with them a little bit and learn more about the sport that i'm involved with but not that aspect of it it's so fun like there's so many different personalities and everyone's so talented at that race which is like it's, it's fun to go through these experiences together
0: speaking of being tired on the dance floor that thought actually occurred to me like after i was done and i was like so tired my legs were like sore i'm like how did they i'm like i didn't race today and i'm exhausted i'm like you guys are wild i'm like either they didn't try enough and saved it for the dance floor or they're just different beasts and it's probably the it's probably the latter
1: yeah no you just gotta rally you you kind of you feel the energy from all the other athletes like, okay i can do this too i can I can take a couple hours of, of dancing and whatnot.
0: When we got back to the hotel, were you? I'm trying to think who I was with. I don't think I was with you, but did you end up jumping into the into the lake afterwards? Where were you in that whole scheme I of did, things? I did And
1: I really wanted to, but I never went back up to my room to change. And I was wearing my jeans. And I was like, I'm yeah, that would have been rude. My <laughs> jeans, and like, people were coming out of the lake with like moss on them. Oh, oh really? Gross yeah i know it was it was was a little gross i mean it looked really fun I, i i wish i would have done that but um also no regrets because I was wearing my favorite
0: jeans right for me there (laughs) were a few thoughts that that came through my head one I was like okay I'm here as a separate entity and uh it doesn't seem like Brooks is approving of these kids jumping in the lake I don't want to uh damage my relationship with them so that was a purely practical (laughs) standpoint I'm like I'm not going to do it because of that number two it was not warm outside like there's no way it was warm it was probably freezing in the lake so that was number two and then number three and probably this was like the biggest thing I'm just kind of like I don't know this just sounds gross to me because the hotel we were staying at was right by the airport apparently like they dumped like waste and stuff into the lake and uh oh also after also after carter cutting drank from it and threw up that day you're i don't know if you heard that story um, oh yeah that's
1: disgusting i'm like i'm like
0: there's no way i'm jumping into this lake i'm like <laughs> call me like a germ freak or whatever i'm like there's just no way so <laughs> i
1: know i mean like I guess you got to do what you got to do when you're thirsty, but I have no idea why he did that. I mean, that's crazy. Yeah, no, it, it definitely did not look like a pleasant jump. Um, and the security guards were so mad about it at first. Oh, but really? then at the end, like it was kind of like the security guards went away. And there was this one chaperone who was back and she was like holding the door open for them. She's like, guys, go jump quick before the security guards come back. Was like, what? You're supposed to be the one who's keeping us out of the lake. But she was chill. I, I liked her. Well, I
0: think what happened was everyone went outside at first to jump in the lake. And then the chaperones were like, no, do not jump in the lake. Do not jump in the lake. Mm-hmm. And then I think the chaperones got like approval to let them jump in the lake. I don't know if it was from um... the hotel or from Brooks, because that's when everyone ended up jumping in. Um, yeah. And then everyone uh-huh. came back inside. But were that you, were sense. you a part of the people? So when I came back to the hotel, I, the listeners, even though when I'm saying this, I'm like, the listeners don't care. They actually, I've actually gotten messages <laughs> when I go on random tangents with guests about the trips because people like are curious of as to what they're like. So I'll just continue yeah. down this path. When we got back from the hotel, I'm like, I would love to go swimming uh, in the actual swimming pool, not in the, not in the yeah. girls' lake. Cause the swimming pool, I looked up on their website, like it looked sweet, but the problem was it closed at 10 and like, we got back later than that. Um, so apparently, what happened was uh, I think Connor and a few other kids. Which, if you're trying to get a yes, you don't have Connor Burns ask.
1: Oh my gosh, no! <laughs>
0: <laughs> but apparently, they asked and got denied. So uh, I was like, okay, I'll I'll try. I'm like, okay, I'll see if I can get it and like grab it in your face, Connor. So I had my nice shirt on, I had my media credential, I was feeling confident. I go up to the front desk. I'm like, I'm like, hey, ma'am. Like, I hope you're doing well. Like, uh, I was like. I was like, is there any... I know the pool closed at 10. Like, I totally understand that. And if this isn't a possibility, I totally understand. I'm, like, sandbagging at this point, like, lowering your expectations. I'm like, but is there any chance you could open up the pool for, like, 45 minutes so that some of us could go swimming? And um, she didn't say no immediately. She's like, ah, that could be a possibility. Like, let me check with the engineer because they move around the chemicals or, like, the chlorine when it's closed. So if that's happening, then no. But, like, if they aren't, then yes. So at that point, I'm like, let's go. And then she literally like walkie-talkie to the engineer in front of us. And she was like, uh, like, you know, are you doing X, Y, and Z? And he's like, yeah, they can't swim. And I was like, oh, but I was, I was no. happy I got that close. I was like, I went up to you, Connor. There you go.
1: Yeah. No, if anyone were to get close to it, it would be you. I feel like you'd be able to convince them. I know um, I had the
0: media credential. Funny. I felt confident. I was like, I, I, even <laughs> though I am a scrub high school, I'm not, not quite a scrub. High school yeah
1: yeah no i heard so many people talking they're like who cares if there's chemicals in the pool like let's jump in anyways and, uh last year at brooks PR, um my junior year i was like irene and i we actually roomed together it was so fun but um we were trying to get in the pool it was at a different hotel and the door was unlocked but there was like someone in there pouring chemicals so we got like a really big group of people and like what we did is we just like opened the door and all ran in and jumped in and no came way off. Like with the chemicals in the pool, and so I, I feel like it was like a placebo. But Irene and I were like, "Are you itchy?" And I was like, "Yeah, I'm kind of itchy." Like, (laughs) and we were like freaking out. We were like, "We just jumped in a chemical filled pool." Um, I'm actually, I'm sure it didn't do any harm. It was probably like all in our head. But uh, (laughs) I was, I was after after that. I was like, "I'm not jumping in a chemical filled pool again." (laughs) That was not a comfortable feeling. Well,
0: what we did originally was it was me maddie and kate putman who we didn't even go up to the front desk we just went down to see if it was still open and how that oh. pool works is their locker rooms um and you get to the pool through the locker room so they're like two different gates basically and the oh. cards didn't work for getting into Aww. the locker room. So there, there would be like, unless we were to literally break the door down, <laughs> like there was no chance of doing <laughs> what you did last year. But I heard, I'm curious yeah. to hear your takes on this. I heard this year's hotel was nicer than last year's. And the Brooks people oh, told yeah. me they're holding it here next year too because they liked it so much. So
1: I'd agree. I think, um, yeah, it's been actually at a different hotel all three years that I've really? been there. Um, and I think this year was definitely the nicest one. I mean it was so pretty on the lake yeah. and like um the rooms were really nice and the one thing was really annoying was the, the, the security thing. on the elevators. Yes. I couldn't <laughs> get to any I was trying to like race day like you know obviously we don't race until like two and so in the morning I was trying to go down to um uh, Amelia Everett and uh, Kate Peters room and we like I couldn't get to their room and I was like I was freaking out I was like guys like my card's not working. they're like no Sofia it's a stupid security thing (laughs) so that's the only
0: thing I would change yeah oh yeah it was so weird it was annoying it was so annoying but apparently why the hotel does that is because a lot of Seahawk players uh and like like basically the pro sports teams players when they're coming in for like summer training camp if they don't live there they'll stay at that hotel as well as like performers who like come to Seattle to do shows and it's basically a security protocol so that like people aren't bothering them I don't know how that's that really information smart. gets out that you yeah. people know you're staying somewhere. I hope that I never get to that point, but um, right. yeah. So I guess it's for that reason, or maybe that's just their sandbag excuse of having the most annoying security protocol in place. Yeah,
1: but, no, no, I get it. I mean, that makes sense. I'm I'm still going to be mad about it, but I can, I can reason. With
0: that. Right. Okay. On to, on to more normal subjects, Nike, take me through <laughs> this race, which was your final ever high school race. Yeah, that race
1: was, man, not my race. I ended up dropping out at like 2,200 meters, I think. Um, and as much as I want to come up with an excuse, like, oh, I was injured or I was sick. Like, honestly, none of that happened. I just, I had a really, I wasn't in like the right mental space. Like I was not zoned in. I was, I was thinking about other things. I was distracted. I took the lead too early. I mean, it was all these things that kind of came together that were all my own fault. Like I just, I didn't prepare myself for the race. And, um, as frustrating as that was right after, right when I dropped out, you know, the day, the night of, and I kind of like slept on it. I'm I'm glad I'm making these mistakes now. You know, I talked to my dad. I was like, I mean, did you ever, ever drop out of a race? And he was like, yeah, I, I think he said two or three times in his professional career. And it's frustrating because it, it's like, it's all in your mind. And that's like, that's the worst part about it. Like when I dropped out of, um, footlocker champs same nationals thing. <laughs> you know champs
0: I mean. East Bay um, footlocker Kenny it's all the same
1: yeah right um when I dropped out that, like that was real like I, I had a stress fracture you know I was in a boot for two weeks um or however long um but this was different and this this was frustrating and it's it's more about that um that message that I want to get out that like it's it's okay to have failures it's 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 normal. Every pro athlete has gone through it mistakes, whether they are physical or mental happen. And you just really have to come back from that with a positive aspect. I mean, you learn so much more from your negative races than you do your positive races. And so, you know, I told myself, I was like, you know what, it's never going to happen again. You know, I, I, I get up, I get through it and I've learned and, um, it sucked and definitely not the way that I wanted to end my high school career, but I still have so much going for me in the future and just reminding myself of those little things that, um, I, I'm a talented athlete and you know, stuff happens. So, yeah, I mean, it was, it was definitely not, not a great race, but, uh, I ended up like calling coach Clark a couple of days and like, yeah, like this happened and he was like, Hey, like, you know, like that's normal. Like, I mean, obviously like my job is, or his job as a coach is to minimize those, um, Those things in the future so i'm I'm excited to get to be working with him and work more on those mental aspects because you know that can be a, a big limitation in running and um yeah won't happen again
0: as i get to the hour mark of any episode two thoughts come through my head one it's like it was probably a good episode if i talked to a guest this long and two, it <laughs> means I need to put a wrap in the conversation and just invite the person back on for, uh, for another one to, to talk about other things that we didn't hit. So I'll have to get you back on the podcast in the future uh, to, to cover other things and, and have another fun conversation. So I'm gonna wrap up today's conversation with two questions, first one being serious, the second one I know you're expecting because you've listened to the podcast before. Uh, <laughs> the first serious one uh, is what is one final message you wanna leave with our audience today?
1: I think one final message that I'd like to leave is that um, there's no one way to get through the sport. Um, I mean, I'm sure that's been said a million times on the podcast, but I couldn't reiterate that enough. Um, You know, you have your ups and your downs and there's different styles of training and how much mileage you're doing. And it's so important not to compare yourself to other people Um, because yeah, like I said, there's not, there's not one right way to do it. So just trust in yourself, trust in the process, you know, do the little things and the big things, um, and you know you'll succeed in that way. Whether it's running a PR or winning the Olympics, you know, find your little victories and yeah.
0: I love it. Final question for you: the question I ask every single guest. If you had Gordon Ramsay coming over for dinner, what would you <laughs> choose to make for him? I always this love asking. Yeah, I always love asking people <laughs> this question who have listened to the podcast before because they they like anticipate it and they're like, oh, I've thought through yeah. this, or maybe you haven't. I don't know.
1: Oh yeah, I thought about this. Um, I I wish I were a better cook than I was, um, but I I think I can I think I can whip up something pretty good. Probably like a little a little pasta. I made this really good pasta a while back, like an angel hair pasta with a little bit of parmesan and some crab Ooh. and um, tomatoes and garlic and uh, I'm forgetting some stuff. <laughs> like it's really light, and then like. Like maybe a little salad, and then you always got to have a dessert. And I'd say, I'm getting better at the baking. So maybe, maybe I'll make my famous brownies or something. But yeah, I would, e- I would a thousand percent a eat that. So
0: <laughs> it sounds good to me. It sounds good to me. <laughs> Actually, out of curiosity, if you can remember what dish of the podcast you've listened to has sounded the best that a guest has shared, if you remember, that's really testing oh, your memory.
1: Gosh. Oh, man. I don't, I don't know. I,
0: like, I, I couldn't even I tell you what people have said. One. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I appreciate I mean, what you said like... in detail because a lot of people, it's, like, very generic. Um, but yeah. sometimes the best ones are the people who don't cook at all.
1: <laughs> it's like. <laughs> I know the funniest ones are when people are like, mm, I'd make them, like, a frozen waffle or something like that. I'm like, you know what? Also, me too. Like, I'll make my angel hair pasta and also my frozen waffle a woman of many
0: talents. <laughs> Sophia, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on the podcast. Greatly appreciate it. Looking forward to having you back on. And also like the possibilities are like endless. I had you on with Irene. We could do one with your dad. I feel like there's so many different yeah. occasions to have you back on the podcast. So ladies and gentlemen, Sophia Kennedy will be back, but I appreciate you doing this. Thanks so much. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode of The Running Effect with Dominic Schleter. I don't take your time for granted and I hope that today's episode impacted you and left you walking away inspired and all the more motivated to chase after your biggest goals and walking away a better version of yourself. Make sure you're following the podcast, have given us a five-star review and consider sharing with a friend. Through that, we can reach new people and hopefully inspire them in the process. Also, make sure you're following us on social media at The Running Effect to stay up to date on all the exciting projects and all the new episodes coming out generally we release two to three episodes per week so stay tuned for all of those coming your way shortly i hope you're running and life is going well guys keep chasing mastery and i will catch you in next episode